Monsieur, are you a henchman? No, I only go as far as lucky. Will there be anything else? Episode 7 of the And Why Not Summer of Action Specials 2022, the summer special episodes from the movie podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode for this 10-part series of specials, I'm joined by a guest to talk about an 80s or 90s action movie selected from the long list the guests had to pick from. So far we've talked about Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop, Cobra, Commando, Taffin and The Rock. And still to come, we have Out for Justice, Con Air, and Face Off. For this episode, I'm joined by Tom Stewart to discuss Arnie's meta-action movie, Last Action Hero. I hope you enjoy the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the Am Why Not Facebook group, or if you see this episode posted. And now, with an advance warning on spoilers, and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer for Last Action Hero. A great classic comes to the screen. Take thy hand, fair prince. Who said I'm fair? To be or not to be? Not to be. Columbia Pictures is proud to present the screen's greatest action hero, Jack Slater. Slater, you hear me? This is the lieutenant governor. Slater, here's what I do. The governor gets here, call me. And Danny Madigan is his biggest fan. <laughs> Jack Slater 4. But tonight, a magic ticket. It's a passport to another world. Will get Danny closer to the action <laughs> than anyone ever dreamed. And you're going with him. Who is this port? And where is that smile on his face? I don't even know this kid. To a world that's bigger than life. This ticket is magic, and it really works. And better than real. You really believe that you're inside a movie, don't you? Yes! The bad guys are in there. I've seen it. On screen. Could I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? Have a nice day. Have him killed. This summer, it's head-on thrills. I have killed people smarter and younger than you. Head-first excitement. I hate when it happens. He's got the ticket! Now I possess power. Real power. He's gone over to my world! In this world, the bad guys can win! The door must still be open, come on! If I go, how do I get back? And it's coming at you from both sides of the screen. Where am I now? This isn't the movies anymore, Jack. Please be careful, things were different here. Damn it, that hurt! Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. Wow! This hero stuff has its limits. 
and Jack Slater is everybody down now. The last action hero. The big ticket for 93. I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do. Hello, Tom. How are you? Hello, buddy boy. How are you getting on? Ah, oh, not too bad, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I, I just have a, a pressing question in my head of to be or not to be, and I think the answer is not to be. <laughs> 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 oh man, I'm you said so fair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so prepped for this, man. It's so good. <laughs> I know when I put that long list out and you picked it, I was like, yes. <laughs> because <laughs> i've got a weird history with this film we'll get into it but oh, um, nice. but yeah well not weird so much as like my opinion of the film has really yo-yoed over the years all right okay um to the point where re-watching it for doing this i then went back onto letterbox and up my star rating by one <laughs> <laughs> i was like no i really fucking enjoyed it this time actually i mean properly watching it with the, whilst making notes and everything you really start to uh, i don't know i seem to appreciate it a lot more mm-hmm but, mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, we're talking about Last Action Hero. Yes. Uh, written by Zach Penn and Adam Leaf, who did the original script and original story, and then Shane Black and David Arnott are the credited writers on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into it, but there was a mountain of people who came and they did rewrites and script doctrine on it. Mm-hmm. Um, directed by John McTiernan, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, F. Murray Abraham, Art Carney, Charles Dance, Frank McRae, Tom Noonan, uh, Robert Prosky. Anthony Quinn, uh, Mercedes. Oh, hello. I'm going to mess this one up. Ruel. Ruel. Yeah. And introducing Austin O'Brien. Uh, released in cinemas on the 18th of June, 1993 in the US. Again, we'll come back to that. And the 30th of July, 1993 over here. Grossed 137,298,496 worldwide. That's in dollars on an estimated budget of 85 million, according to IMDb. Um, I think that estimated budget might have been higher. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film two and a half stars out of four, saying, uh, for all of its sensational stunts and flashes of wit, however, Last Action Hero plays more like a bright idea than a movie that was thought through. Uh, it does evoke the mystery of the barrier between audience and screen, the way Woody Allen did, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the time it simply seems to be standing around commentating on itself. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find a Barry Norman review, but there is quite an amusing thing of Barry Norman being sent a thing from Columbia saying that he had a meeting at Cannes with at the Cannes Film Festival in 93 with Arnold Schwarzenegger that was at 2.28 or something specific like that <laughs> and then Arnie didn't show up till about 3 o'clock <laughs> so the interview starts with Barry Norman said that I got this from Columbia saying I had to be here at this time I daren't be a minute early or a minute late for fear of missing it it's like it's now 3 o'clock and you're just getting here <laughs> um, I don't think he liked Arnie from things no. he said in post-career conversations but yeah. i thought arnie handled it quite well in the end in the little clip i saw um i would not want to be chewed out by barry norman either i'll tell you that no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it feels a little bit like getting told off by your favorite teacher then exactly that's what i was gonna say he's such a nice man to then be told off and being you know i'm disappointed you're like oh god <laughs> <laughs> but, awesome so, so before we get into the film let's do the usual thing of like when did you first see the film i'm guessing it wasn't at the cinema no, i don't think it, many people saw it at the cinema. <laughs> no it wasn't but 
I don't think it was for lack of trying, to be honest. I was quite I was quite young. Um, I first became aware of the film because there was a really good toy line. Yeah. Um, like an amazing toy line. Yeah, no, if you don't think I went on eBay yesterday looking to maybe get myself a uh, Jack Slater figure. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of them because there was a, there was a few different ones you could get on with like red shirt, but I think there was another one that came because he wears the same outfit through the whole film. But yeah, there was got a, the one with the red shirt, the one with the red shirt and the jacket. I think you got the uh, one of him in his Shakespeare garb. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, weirdly, Arnie insisted that none of the figures of him have weapons, which is one of the things they think might have hit um, affected the uh, sales of the toy line. Yeah, and yet. Um, Charles Dance comes with like Benedict comes with his big his big ass gun. Yeah, and came with the suitcase with like eyeballs and everything like on a sticker on the inside, and had a little thing of what looked like grenades. <laughs> um, it was little like white things that fit onto this little chamber thing that came with it. Um. I could never figure out what they were. I thought it was his eyes, but they were all white. And it just looked like little mines or something. It was like, I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't get, I don't get what this is supposed to be. But he came with his gun and um, I don't think, was there, was there a Tom Noonan uh, Ripper yes, character? Yes, there was a Ripper character. Right. There was a Ripper See, figure. I, I never had the Ripper figure, but I did for years have the Danny figure. <laughs> And I mean, I had the, the Danny figure right up until probably about only five years ago or something like that. And the only reason I got rid of it is because he was unrecognisable. <laughs> um, I'd had him for that long that all the paint had kind of come off and stuff. But he was my total favourite. And for some reason, he came with a big fucking grappling hook gun. Yeah, I saw that because I was looking at um, like you know pictures of him online just to see yeah. what was actually in the line. Um, yeah, because I was... Obviously, it was in a big picture with, or in a small picture with all the other figures. I was like, yeah, looks like he's got Schwarzenegger's rocket launcher from Commando. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was huge, and it came with like a harpoon type thing on it, um, which, funnily enough, fit more than just that little bit that you could get. There was other toys that came with similar ones, and you could actually fit them in that gun. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so you just get ones from other toys and go, "I'll just use that one today." You know, one that had like a little Superman emblem on it. Yep, just do that. <laughs> um, but I loved him. And I, I loved what he looked like because when I was a kid, I was looking at being like, that's what Americans dress like. Like yeah. in my head, I'm being like, they go about in big Letterman baseball type football jackets with like shirts with hoods on. Yeah, and like big baggy jeans with those sneakers that there's no way you could get anywhere here and stuff. And, and, I think what I liked about it even more, having compared with it last night, looking at it, I was like, I know what it was I liked about that. I loved when I was a kid getting hand-me-downs from my cousins uh, for some odd reason, because there was just a little warning and they were too big for me. And Danny's clothes are just bollocks. They're just that right worn in and they're way too big for them and they look like hand-me-downs. So I think somewhere in the back of my mind I was thinking, one day I'm going to look like Danny because I'm going to get my stuff from my cousins that are just that little bit worn in (laughs) and too big for me. Um, And I just absolutely loved that. I had, don't get me wrong, I I had um, had the two, I didn't have the the Shakespeare like outfit um, 
one, but I did know it existed. Um, but I did have the jacket, and without the jacket, uh, Jack Slayers. And yeah, I mean, I had them for years. Don't get me wrong, and they were great. But I I don't know why most people hate the sort of kid psychic thing. I think because Danny was like the main character in your link through the whole film, it was just great having him as a character. And because I'd never seen it before at that point, I just saw the the characters. Um, and it was just it was unbelievable. Um, but that was I, I had those figurines for years before I saw the film. And I don't think I saw the film. Hmm, I'm trying to think. I want to say, I want to say my mum and dad rented it out on video, VHS. Yeah. Um, but that was it. I, I think it must have been there. But honestly, I have no specific memory of when I actually saw it. Yeah. At all. Um, I just remember I, I was young, and I also remember it didn't. Ha- it did it. Did it always have the fifteen rating? Uh it might have done. It was PG thirteen in America, I think. Yeah. He actually says so that it, in the film. Yeah, it might have been a 12, 12 over here, possibly. It might have been. A P- I'm sure my Blu-ray's PG. I'm not one hundred percent sure. I can't remember now. Um, I want. I want to say it had a fifteen rating because. Like I always had the 15 rating and I was always confused by that because it didn't ever like from the poster and everything it didn't ever seem like it was meant to be a like proper bloody action film and yet it got a 15 rating and I was thinking that seems awful high um, and I think that was what stopped me from seeing it for so long. Well yeah because it's a big joke within the Jack Slater film isn't it that you can't say a swear word because yeah. it's a PG-13 movie. Yeah and yet but it was, I think there was I mean, I'm going to reference a lot in this stuff that is in an article that was in Empire Magazine, yeah. which is The Life and Death of Last Action Hero by Nick Dissemblian. Um I'll put a link to it where you can read it online in the show notes and that. Um, but yeah, I, I reread that today and took a lot from it. Because um, I remember the film coming out. I remember being at Alton Towers and I bought two postcards. One was the Alien 3 poster and one was the Last Action Hero poster that was Arnie holding the golden ticket that just said Last Action Hero on it. <laughs> which it wasn't even the cool poster. Um, and I remember being excited for the film coming out and then it just dropped off my radar completely. So I don't remember it coming out in the cinema. And then I think we either rented it from the video shop or it came up on Sky Movies. Right, okay. And I finally watched it and I must have been 14 when it came out, maybe 15 when I finally saw it. And um, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether the, it got into the zeitgeist that it was like Ernie's Arnie's first major flop, right? Uh, that sort of thing. But yeah, I just I found it long and tedious. <laughs> I I always thought it was a longer film, to be honest. Uh, it's funny rewatching it the other day, and uh, I went, mean, oh, it's not actually that long. It's only like an hour fifty or something like that. Um, but I always remember it being longer. Yeah. I remember it going on for ages and I think that was I don't know I think when I did eventually see it I, I was a bit I was a bit kind of confused because I was I was I wasn't young young but I was younger in the sense that I was probably watching it going I don't get half of what's going on here um like a lot of the sort of nuanced references to other films and stuff I hadn't seen a lot of like American action films at that point you know yeah I was going I just don't get it you know he's walking into 
he's walking into a um his house and shooting out a cupboard and going, Oh, there's always a guy in there and I'm like, Is that supposed to be funny? Now <laughs> I laugh. Now I'm like, Yeah, hey, of course, you know, because I've seen loads of those films now, you know, the ones that they're sort of parodying and even Arnie's own films that he's he's parodying, you know. Yeah. Um but yeah, I do remember being slightly confused when I first watched it and being like, Oh, this isn't what I thought it was gonna be. Um but I still enjoyed it. I don't know. I've always been a bit of an Arnold Schwarzenegger mark, to be honest. Like anything he's in, I'll, I'll watch him in, even if it's crap. I mean, so I, I think I hit a point late teens, early twenties, where I was a bit of a fake cinema snob. Yeah. <laughs> like, late night as Arnie as well wasn't great, so I was like, just Arnie stuff, shit in it, with the exception of Terminator and Terminator Two. It's like I don't watch Arnie films. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was actually rereading that article when it went out in Empire that made me actually go back and rewatch the film properly. I ordered it, actually ordered the Blu-ray and sat down and properly watched it with a new appreciation for it, mm-hmm. which is weird because the article tells you about, you know, what a disaster it was. <laughs> I think it's one of the producers describes the film as the ultimate cautionary tale. Jeez. See, that, <laughs> um, that, you had shared that with me and I started reading it. I, I, like we've, we've spoke about this before, but um, I started reading it and I actually didn't continue on because I'd never known it to be a, a flop. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I, I, I just don't know if maybe it'd become that much of a flop that just nobody spoke about it. Um, but I, because there were figurines of it and everything, I just thought, well, clearly this must be a really successful film. But then I was under that, I was under that guise for so long that if a film had made it into the cinema or made it onto telly or made it onto video, then it was clearly I, I, it was clearly good like it, was, yeah. it clearly made it I, I just went under that for that illusion for so long that clearly you know if it's on this it's made it not knowing that there was things out there known as bad films yeah. you know and even if i didn't enjoy something i would start to think like oh it must be me like i just don't get it and then it was just as i got older i'm like no no there is just a pile of shit out there yeah. <laughs> um there is just absolute crap out there sometimes um it's also because it's from that generation, isn't it, where everybody was proud to present. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anymore, I think Batman and Robin was the last film that any studio was proud to present. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's it, but actually, um, I think Batman and I think Batman and Robin was one of the first ever films that I came away being like, was that bad? <laughs> when I think about it, um, but you know, I um. I think I just always had it in my head that, you know, if it had Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, um, if it was a film that was released, then it must have been a good a good movie. So I just didn't know that it was it was a flop at all. And I'd never figured that out. And then you sent me that article and I started to read and was like, oh, this really didn't do well. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, so I didn't read it just on the on the basis that I didn't want it to tinge how I would talk about it. Yeah. At the back of my mind, I'd be thinking like, oh, but it was bad. So maybe they meant it that way or whatever, you know, this, this kind of thing. Um, but I do like, I do like Nick Dissembly and uh, I do like his, um, his writing. Um, yeah. He's done that uh, wild and crazy guys. That's a great book. That is a great uh, book. I got that yeah. for my birthday last year. So um, I, um, I, I, I will read it. I will 100% read it, but I'm, I'm just... Yeah, I'm no, really... I, I completely get it, because it's difficult when you talk about a film to have read up on it. Like I say, because I'd read it before, and that was how I came back to the film, it was easier yeah. for me to go back to it. And like yes. I say, it was just quite a few good bits to pull from it, um, various quotes and that, because it's 
all well and good going online, but unless you've got an actual article, you can attribute the quotes to kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there's always things like, you know, they wanted so-and-so, but then when you try and dig deeper into it, you can never find anything more on it. So unless, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it's like I say, we'll get into that sort of stuff after, but um, yeah, no. So like I say, I watched it after reading the article. I was like, this film is nowhere near as bad as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed it. There's a couple of bits that, seem to slow it right down for me mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into and then yeah like i said i watched it again last night in preparation for this and i was like i'm going from three stars to four stars on this on letterbox because <laughs> i really really fucking enjoyed it um the self-parody in it is within the film and short arnie parodying the parody of himself at the uh premiere yep towards the end of the film just for his wife's like don't plug the restaurant <laughs> he just always finds a way to shoehorn it in. Yeah. <laughs> There's no place Planet Hollywood. <laughs> it's like, oh God. <laughs> but that that dated it as well though, like big time when he's talking yeah. about Planet Hollywood. It's like, oh mate. You know what I mean? Not as much as MC Hammer dated it. <laughs> well, yeah, true. And uh <laughs> seeing little Richard as well. That's it, little Richard. Yep. Chevy Chase, back when Chevy Chase was a big cameo to get. <laughs> yep. It was like, holy shit, like these a lot of the cameos that were in it it was like oh you know this is uh there's a, there's a lot of people in it that are like they either look majorly young compared to what they are now um i'm assuming that's how long it took to make as well um or it was you know they were just big at the time um this is one of those films that there's so many cameos in it that you end up pausing it to go on imdb to be like yes hey, somebody yeah. No, he's just familiar from an episode of Law and Order. <laughs> yeah. It's like yes. you've got two walking cameos of Robert Patrick as the T-1000. Yep. Which apparently Arnie just called him up and was like, you got to come do a cameo as the T-1000 for me in this film like he did in Wayne's World. <laughs> and he was like, I don't even think we talked about money. He was just like, no, you got to come do it. <laughs> yeah. And Danny goes past him and goes, did you see him? <laughs> That's it. You've got, you got Sharon Stone as um, a character from Basic Instinct just mm-hmm. walking out of the police station. You've got Tina Turner as the mayor. Yeah, all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. I mean, you got Joan Play- uh, Playwright as the teacher introducing Lawrence Olivier in Hamlet, who was her husband. Yep. Unbelievable, isn't it? The, the thought of... I, I assume they put thought into it. It wasn't just happenstance. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's just, And obviously you got the great Frank McRae, who... Uh, Nobody does screaming lieutenant or captain like Frank McRae does. That's so good. Slater! Don't even think it, Slater, you hear me? You're gonna sit and wait for the real hostage negotiator. God damn it, Jack, I'm talking to you. The last time you pulled this John Dittenberg popcorn antique out shit, people lost body parts. Now you go in there and it's your badge. No, it's Slater of the Straight Metropolis. You and I have had our little tits, but this is the Lieutenant Governor. Slater, here's what I want. When the Governor gets here, call me. Slater's attempting to enter. Do not let him in. Repeat, do not let him in. Piece of cake. Hey, you want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Decker, the next one I'll hurt. He did this in this unloaded weapon one in the same year. <sighs> one an out and out spoof, and then this one that's wants to be a spoof at times. 
Yeah, it does. It really does. To the point that it's you know it's there's bad kind of CG bits in it, and yeah. there's uh, you know there's just out, outright, outright bits where you could almost hear them going boing, yes. like you know. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's got a cartoon cat fucking detective in it. Exactly, exactly. Voiced uh, by Danny DeVito. A black and white hologram of uh, Humphrey Bogart as one of the cops. That bit always throws me because I love Humphrey Bogart, and just all of a sudden seeing him there, it's like ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, so and so you're partnered with Humphrey Bogart, and it just it pauses on him for like a second. I'm like, that is actually just that's a bit of. Casablanca ripped and put on there you know what I mean yeah and it's like oh god it's just it's weird but to have Ian McKellen appear as well and give a full-on great performance for like 30 seconds <laughs> what's it because this is quite early film career for Ian McKellen certainly yes. Hollywood films because I think mm-hmm. it was this then he did The Shadow with Alec Baldwin and then obviously popped up in things like Jack and Sarah and odd little films and then X-Men yep get off but um yeah, Zach Penn in that article says that the original idea was to do it as kind of like a parody like you see in The Simpsons, but in yeah. live action. That's sort of what they were going for. Um, but I think uh, I think it's John McTiernan says that the stu- head of the stu- of Columbia Studios just didn't know whether he wanted it to be an action film or a kid's film. So it just ended up being a weird mess between the two. Because tonally, this film is all over the place. Yeah, and... Because you've got that great self parried in open scene, opening scene with the, uh, I love the SWAT guy who's like, yeah, I'll stop him. And then he sees the side of him and like, are you a farmer? Because I've got a couple of acres for you or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but then that scene, all right, it comes later in the film, but it ends with his son dying. Which yeah. Is, for, for a fun movie, you kind of, you did just kill a kid. <laughs> there is I mean, some... that kid should have ran off as soon as he'd stabbed. Yeah, exactly. There, there is, there is, um, like you say, there's just some massive tonal shifts that you're like, oh, oh, that's jarring. Also, even uh, the guy breaking into the apartment when Danny's home. Yeah, actually, yeah, because that was that's, frightening. That's quite fucking dark, isn't it? The, just the bit when he opens up the door more than anything. He opens the door and then closes it again really quickly because he sees somebody go past. Um, but even in that bit with the with the guy breaking in, that takes a tonal shift as well because he he says like chain yourself to the radiator or whatever or the toilet or whatever and then he comes back in and he goes you ain't got shit <laughs> and it's like he's saying to him like you're poor you're dirt poor uh it's like not even the vcr would get me 20 bucks or whatever and then he leaves and it's like that was like a comedy skit as well in between this whole bit of like i've just broken into your house and come on big man stab me you know it's like what's it <laughs> i'm assuming it's meant to be like a you know, for the comparison of quote unquote real life crime compared to the crime within the film within the film kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Charles, Charles Dance does a good. A good I was going to uh, say, I think they play that. that much better when he wants to test the theory and he shoots the mechanic. Yeah. I love the. I shot a man. I did it on purpose. Yeah. Shut <laughs> up out there. <laughs> that is good though. Hello. I've just killed a man. <laughs> Charles Dance is amazing in this film. He is. I mean, I love I love Arnie pieces, and I I think regardless of anything that happened between production or whatever, like Arnie did a spot on job in this film, but Charles Dance steals the show. 
I don't know whether Charles Dance is having a good time or not, but it certainly looks like he was. He, yep, he certainly does, especially uh, when no one looks to the camera and stuff yeah. like that. Well, if, Just, if God was a villain, he'd be me. Oh, so like great. so good, and he takes the pause so well that you're already saying the line before he says it. But it's like, oh, so good. Like you know it's coming, and yet when he delivers it, you're like, oh, it's perfect. So, and it's just that little smile. Yep, he's a he's a tremendous actor. Full stop. Yeah. Um, he's been the only bloody good thing about Game of Thrones, to be honest. But you know, it's I've still not watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, he's just is is it's worth it just to see him. You know, you just skip through bits and go to his scenes, even though he's playing a complete diabolical prick in a lot of the bits. But yeah, um, he didn't have a great year in '93 really because he had this and Alien Three, both of which were considered <laughs> yeah flops. Yeah, and yeah, he's great. Yeah, like, he's tremendous. Yeah, it was one of those films, though, where, like, you know, having Charles Dance on board, I'm like, I don't know if he would enjoy this. Like, being thrown about by Arnie and stuff. I'm like, hmm. And by the by the kid, you know what I mean? By Austin. Yeah. I'm like, would he like being knocked over the head with something? Like, I know it'll be in the script and stuff and he'd be expecting it, but just some of the way it was done, I'm like, that's really choppy. Like, he really did get hit by that, you know? I'm like, hmm. Don't know if he would have liked that. <laughs> He's quite a serious actor, you know. I do like the bit where they've gone into they've um holding him and Schwarzenegger's daughter hostage. He's like, Benedict, if you harm one hair on her head, he's like, Stop Yeah. <laughs> Pulls it off and he goes, he's got well. the cartoon sound effects like, Well <laughs> He's so good. He's so and just so his good. little under the breath. The way he says cretin. Yep. He totally he he has some really good lines, amazing bits, but he's like super racist towards Italians. Yeah. <laughs> he basically calls him like a spaghetti swilling swine or something like that. It's like, oh dear. <laughs> I do like his description of the funeral, how it went off. It's like, no, it didn't go like that at all. I'm lying. Yeah, it was a complete disaster. <laughs> He's so like it's great how he's introduced as well with the the bullet going off right next to Jack's cousin Frank, and then it just zooms down that extra long barrel on his gun, and then just to him still sitting reading the paper whilst holding that gun like totally steady and straight as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. What a ridiculous sized gun as well. <laughs> it's not that. It's where um, Arnie first goes to the house. And then he's got the exceptionally well-trained guard dogs, and he clicks his fingers, and then when he look back at the dogs, they're doing a path, they're in a pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I assume Charles Dance couldn't see what they were doing, but it's just played so straight and brilliantly. Yep. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. He's he's good. He he turns really good comedy bits in this actually. Like yeah, that whole like, killed a man bit and everything, but he he does turn really good comedy bits in it as well by being the straight man, you know. That's it. It's, I think I think in, this film works because everybody knows the film they're in. There's nobody a bit like unlike say like the Fast and Furious films where I don't think Vin Diesel knows that he's in films that are quite <laughs> as ridiculous as they actually are. <laughs> and you know sometimes it works really well for the films, and other times just like Vin, loosen up. Yeah. Yep. Listen up, dude. Come on. You literally just jumped a car from one skyscraper to another. It's funny because there's loads of bits in this where I'm sitting looking at it going, 
Arnie still had some ridiculous films to come. Yeah. And was this the start of that? Um, and I, I, there's just certain bits in it. I'm sitting going, you know, he, he turns and does that whole thing about like, uh, and you know what else? Rubber baby bumper buggy or something like that. And he's like, ah, you didn't know I was going to say that. Um, and I'm sitting going, is that a rip on Junior? That's a way to come like next year, <laughs> you know? Um, and I'm just I, like, he has so much more ridiculousness to come. And I see, he sort of levels off again a little bit with True Lies. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he does a string of family movies. So like Junior, um, you got Jingle All the Way. Yep. And then you sort of move into your sixth day, Eraser whatever that one was where his family gets blown up. Uh, oh, my God. What was that again? Collateral damage. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yep. And uh, then if... and obviously he, he does that sort of stuff until he retires to become governor and then he comes back with wonderfully fucking enjoyable action movies like The Last Stand and not so much that one he did where he was the DEA guy or whatever it is. Where it's basically his team oh, getting killed by one. Um, sabotage. sabotage. Yeah, that was crap. Hated that film. Yeah, Hated both is, endings. Yeah, it's awful. It's an awful, awful film. And yet he's really good. And you can tell it's one of them and like you can tell the cast and crew got on really well. And unfortunately they were having too good a time that the film suffered because they were having such a great time personally, they really didn't give a fuck about making a good movie. Yeah. Um, and it sounds really weird to say that, but there is so many films out there that when you watch them, you think, oh, they were having a grand old time on set. And yet that does not translate to this at all. No, I mean, sometimes you get lightning in a bottle like Ocean's Eleven, where it's like they were having so much fun making this. And I'm having so much fun watching them. I'm having so much fun making this film. Yeah. But other times. The professionality yeah. just goes out the window. Like they stop being professional because they're all just being pals, and it's like they go to do something, they're all giggling and sniggering, and like they were just running out of time and just had to go with any old take. Yeah. Because they were just laughing and joking the whole time. You know what I mean? I think when was when was Kindergarten Cop again? It was that like was before 90? this, I think. That might have been ninety three as well, possibly ninety two. It might have been ninety actually. I think it was like surprisingly early. Yeah, like, it might have been ninety nine actually. Um, because you had that was his Ivan Reitman one two hit, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was so. Twins and then Kindergarten Cop. Um, but you know he, he's done um, you know it's it's mainly all been serious, and even bits of Kindergarten Cop are actually quite serious. A lot to do with like drugs and kidnapping and killing and stuff like that. <laughs> in among in amongst all the it's not a dog, it's a ferret, you know, in amongst <laughs> all that shit. Um. <laughs> But it's, but I think Last Action Hero is definitely like the that's definitely the kickoff to the 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 more ridiculous side of his his films. Well, that's it because like I say, you had this and you had Loaded Weapon One, which was the out and out parody of Lethal Weapon and action movies in general. Mm-hmm. So this sort of but this has moments that would fit perfectly well in that film of just yeah. out and out parody. I mean. The police station is insane in this film. Yeah, it's mental. It's people walking about in gimp suits and everything. But it's, that's it. You've got like weird, yeah, 
women with robot breasts or whatever it is walking <laughs> by. And I do love the gag of him driving up the wrong side of the thing to get out of the parking lot and then just going across. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just to show what a maverick he is. <laughs> but, I love that his introduction is him just walking across the tops of cars. Yeah. yeah cars with the, with the cowboy boots, you know, <laughs> and every part of my mind is going, he had just bought a pair of cowboy boots and was like, I want to show these off. Well, that's the thing in that article. It's like he was really weirdly hands on because he was an executive producer as well. He was yep. weirdly hands on in minute details. So mm-hmm. I think there's a bit in the article where um, Austin O'Brien says that one of the days was just him and Schwarzenegger driving around in different cars to find the perfect Jack Slater car. <laughs> but he was specific about the boots he wanted. I do love that his wardrobe is just identical guns, shirts, jackets, boots, and yep. jeans. Yep. Just and there's yeah, a, a random the, guy hiding in there. Yeah, random guy hiding. There's always a guy in here. It costs, it costs a fortune and was it wardrobe repairs. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that it's a nice, peaceful looking apartment building from the one side, but then when you go in, he's got the freeway running behind it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's just, it's just nothing in it as well. It's like a bed. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> and I love after he's been in the tar pit or he wipes his face off and it's perfectly clean then he's just dabbing yep. his clothes off afterwards and he actually said like Danny actually says you don't find any of this like unbelievable it... at all <laughs> you know tar usually sticks to people <laughs> yeah he actually, his face goes completely clean after one like little towelette and then to add ridiculousness even more to that, like the fact that he's totally clean after it, like his shirt and everything, his hair's just a wee bit damp. He's actually effectively standing with just two hankies, like two like little strips of towel, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and he's actually, it's the way Schwarzenegger's doing it. He's just like dabbing his face a wee bit and his chest a wee bit as if like that cleaned it off. And they're basically clean as well. <laughs> And then his daughter just like smashes through with the the big monster truck thing, and she clean pair of clothes for him. Yeah, clean pair of clothes. But she also, you notice that when she pulls up, she gets rattled about in that car. Yeah, um, she is going, and it is her because she stands up in that same shot and is like, "Hey, I've got these clothes for you," you know, like close in. But her head is everywhere, and I'm just like, God, that they must have just been like, let's just go with that first one because she looks buggered. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was in Mortal Kombat as well. I'm pretty sure she's the she married Pete Sampras in real life. Oh, I, I might be wrong. I might be mixing her up with somebody. But is that her that plays say? Oh God, what is it? Mortal Kombat, like Jade or something like that. Yeah. Um, hang on. Um, well, the old 1995 one. Yeah, yeah, the original one. Uh, of say. Was it Sonia? Yeah, Sonia. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's her Sonia Blade. Yeah, it's her. Of course, she looks totally different. She must have been Wilson Sampras. Yeah, yeah, she must have been really young. And oh, she was in House in the Haunted Hill, of course. Billy Madison. I can't remember her from Billy Madison for some reason. Nobody can remember Billy Madison. Yeah, it's been a long as well. It's been a long time since I've seen that film. I'm buying the cow, fucking hell. But yeah, um. I mean, briefly, sort of, on it, he, I think he got, well, I mean, he's a kid actor, so he got it, but I think Austin O'Brien's really good in this film. Yeah, really good. I mean, he has moments, like kid actor moments, like all kid actors do. Yep. But um, 
yeah, I love him watching the film. I love how invested he is in the film. Mm-hmm. I love that he loves the Jack Slater films because they're so predictable. Yep. Um, he's got some great moments of uh, facial reactions as well. Mm-hmm. He's got a great bit where, where Charles Dance knocks him over and he pretends to have broken his yeah. arm. And I genuinely got the feeling of like, oh, we are really back in the real world. Like that guy has just broken that kid's arm. Yeah. Like and he really plays it. He's like, ah! like totally screaming like you broke my arm and then he just gets up and knocks him over the head you know um but it's you know he really played he really plays it up really well but there's there's a bit in it that i i clocked that i really liked um where he he kind of messes his lines up but it works because it's like he's overexcited he's running to get the the little girl's bike like it's all covered in flowers and stuff when he's he's he the one he plays chicken yeah. on and he when he goes to grab it he says i can't believe it i'm in a movie and and it's like he forgets until he grabs the bike and then he grabs the bike gets on it and repeats the line he goes i'm in a movie and i'm missing out on the action or whatever and it's yeah. like that was not meant there's no way that was meant but it, it worked so well because it was like he was just caught, like caught up in everything and he's just saying things like he's just trying to say it out loud so that it's believable to him. You know what I mean? I love his realization when he's doing the chicken thing as well. He's yeah. Like, I'm a good guy. I'm gonna survive this. Wait, I'm the comedy psychic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the ET re- re- yeah. Re- which so is good. really clunky but works so well in the way yeah. it's done. And I loved as well that like there's there's not really any moments where uh, like Schwarzenegger. Um, that calls him like ridiculous or anything like that or says to him like oh you're being an idiot or anything like that like he actually he's always really good to him even when he like goes crashing down all the houses and everything at that point it would be so typical for him to you know in this day and age if that was reshot he would just like shake his head at him or something and walk away but he actually says to him like you're done good come with me you know i love how he carries him home as well over his shoulder with the bike on the other yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i i kind of it feels a little bit like the death of Schwarzenegger's son in it, they were setting it up as Danny as like a surrogate thing to help him move past the death of his son sort of thing. But it sort of goes, there's a couple of bits that seem to be nice ideas that don't go anywhere. Yeah. Because um, the death of the son otherwise just feels a little bit pointless. It could have been a teenage son or, you know, his uncle, his dad, anything. It, it felt a little bit a, shocking could... to make it a kid in what was essentially a kid movie. Yeah. Could it just been anybody could have been that he just lost a hostage or something yeah. like that you know because he never loses anybody that sort of thing but or, or a partner yeah 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 yeah. but it had um, to be his kid his kid's son and even then i mean it only really i mean it came into play for the, the bit with danny kind kind of um and it came into play for him when he comes to the real world saying like i need to relive this over and over my son falling yeah. off a roof or whatever um that I'm, uh, I'm big apologies by the way for doing this terrible Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> impression but I just can't help myself anytime I do Schwarzenegger I just go ah um, anyway <laughs> you know it, it played in you know he's got to live that memory over and over and it's it's terrible yeah because um, when he comes into the real world that was the other bit I thought could have led to something really nice but was underdeveloped is when um he turns around to Danny and says you believe me in the movie but you won't believe me here yeah and that's beautifully played between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's a shame it moves on so quickly. Yep. 
But Nick, I do like Nick the thing is... about him doing the chicken thing and that. He's like, you'll die in the real world. And he's like, <laughs> he, he knows the car, so he knows it's got an airbag. Yeah, that was hilarious. Because it's just the fact that he gets out and see him driving and then them just going, boom! <laughs> <laughs> they smash into each other. And you're so not used to that. You're so used to one of them going the opposite way. So when it happens, it's like, um, <laughs> do you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I've seen odd ones. I really need to watch it properly. There is one in particular where uh, um, Mac and Charlie go on the run and they try to stage it that they've got into a big car accident and they're, they're saying that like he's going to drive this car into the wall uh, with like all their clothes and stuff in it and they're going to drive the car into the wall. He's going to jump out of the car at last minute, have it have it crash and blow up and then they'll, they'll, they'll go. Um and he he gets ready, he revs the car, and he drives it. He doesn't jump out, and he just smacks straight into the wall. <laughs> and Charlie just starts screaming, like, ah! And goes running down. And that's all I could think about. <laughs> was, <laughs> was him smashing into it. And just Danny running down going, ah! <laughs> it's the fact it doesn't... Like usually in a film like that, you then cut up, cut between Schwarzenegger and the driver of the other car going at each other. It's the you fact know, it, it just plays out in a distance. Yeah. It's like when he's um, they're doing the chase at the beginning where Danny first appears uh, after he's landed on the top of the coke truck and then driven off it. Just in the background, you see a car come shooting out of the um, whatever. What are they called? The it's the dry riverbed in L.A., isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just comes firing out. Just blow up in the background. <laughs> I love how stuff just randomly blows up in this as well. They're just bursting into flames for no reason. I do love his thing in the real world. It's like, here's another explosion for your movie. Yeah, and he just shoots the boot. <laughs> yeah, twice and neither exploded. <laughs> He's a taxi's a bulletproof here. <laughs> but I mean, oh, that... they do sort of lose sight sometimes of the limits of the real world and when it suits them. Yeah, big time. But I did like there's a little bit with Nick when he comes in and says, like, oh, I just found out I was a, a a fictional character. How would you feel if, you know, you just found out that everything in your life was fake, your marriage, your kids, your career, um, like everything, your family, all this kind of shit. And then Nick just like sums everything up and just goes, yeah, there's horrible things in the world, you know, <laughs> famine, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, Jesus. You know, it's really heavy. But at the same point, I was like, what a way to bring that home of like yeah mate things are shitty but <laughs> there's yeah. far bigger things going on in this world than oh i just found out i'm a fake fucking movie person you know <laughs> but he's good though he plays he doesn't like he doesn't really he doesn't he isn't having having a go at him he's just saying yeah there's some awful stuff you know yeah. and that that's a tonal shift as well though like that bit plays out like really sincere and and uh, like there's a big large part of sympathy play in there and then it just cuts back to being hijinks and funny again you know what i mean what's it because nick's an interesting character cause in one of the early drafts of the script he was like a vi- he was a villain oh. it was like really sinister but there's a bit when he first danny's first there for the showing of jack slater four there's a re- he does a really sinister hold it closes the door turn before he starts talking about the magic ticket yeah and it's like this could go either way between him being like a criminal minds child killer or <laughs> yeah he is he, he, you're right that whole bit does seem really sinister and it's because i think it's also because he's like lit from the back so you, yeah you can't really see his face and stuff and he's he's given it like 
did I ever tell you about the story of, you know, and you're like, oh, I, I got I was, real Stephen King's It vibes from him. <laughs> yeah, I was honestly waiting for, did I ever tell you or show you the trunk I have in my attic? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, here comes the real skeletons coming out, you know. <laughs> The, the, the theatre's been shut down for so many years because Nick's been hiding the bodies in the walls. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's been going down at night like Patrick Bateman and just taking out all the homeless people. <laughs> They're sitting watching films and he's stamping on them. <laughs> I'm always torn with that. I'm like, how cool would it be to know somebody who worked in a theatre like that and you could just sit there all day and watch movies? But at the same time, that theatre looks fucking horrible. <laughs> horrible. Horrible. Everything's spray-painted everywhere. There's clearly, like a couple of drug den rooms off on one of the one of the wings, you know. And yet, when he shows them that premiere of that film, there's not a soul in that place. No. And I'm sitting going, no way. There's no way he's clearing it. Right, everybody, out you go. No, no, no. That place is just sitting derelict for anybody to come at any point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like I say, it's... Like I say, weird tonal shifts in the room. It's like Arnie spitting up blood in his oxygen mask in the ambulance. Terrifying. It's like proper full on. Yep. It's horrible. That that was that was one of the biggest ones when I first watched it. I was genuinely like coming away from it, like traumatized after that one bit. I was like, ah, no, this isn't meant to be happening. <laughs> What's going on? I do like when Danny pulls the gun on the ambulance crew and they just run off. Yeah. They always run off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's horrible. Like he's he's spitting blood in the oxygen mask I and mean, he takes off his all of his teeth and everything and you're yeah. like oh god and you know Arnold can pull a, a right good grimace as well yeah. so it's like oof like this is brutal and he shoots him right in the chest you know it's not like he shot him in the, the arm or the leg or the even the stomach or something like that you would see in a film and be like I'll be alright shoots him right in the chest like god he's he's so close to just getting him straight in the heart you know what I mean yeah unbelievable I do love when they're getting back into the movie world, though. Like, is this a joke? I wouldn't even call this a flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite... Uh, watching that back, though, that bit when he tells them to go and stuff, I was like, oh, man. Like, there was a wee bit of me that was like, oh, that's... That's like E.T. vibes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's sweet. And he really does, like... Austin plays it really well. Like, he yeah. he really looks at him and is like, I just feel like I'm never going to see you again. And I'm like, oh, he's finally made a mate. Yeah, and you know, and and they both like each other. They both, you can tell the way that they both played it. They both really like each other, um, and now he's going to lose them. And it's like, oh, what a shame. Um, but Danny, the fucking person who has ultimately ruined films forever, <laughs> has put a person that was in the real world back into a movie, who then explains how movie dynamics work and what he wants in life to his, his superior I was like oh no <laughs> Danny you've ruined films because now it's just going to translate to all these different movies well, so there's, there's a couple of things that raise questions about Jack Slater 3 because obviously Benedict pulls the ripper out of Jack Slater 3 Yep. but we don't know at what point he pulls him out because the ripper obviously knows about this rooftop scene at the school so does Benedict pull him out after he's gone over the edge before he dies yeah. Or does he pull him out and then he's seen the film? But then if he's not in that copy of the film, does that mean he's erased from every copy of the film? And if he dies in the real world, does that mean that Jack Slater 3 didn't happen, so his son's still alive? <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice. like, it's a bit like the Austin Powers thing. It's like, oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah. 
Because you can argue the same with Benedict, because obviously he disappears part in the film, which I do love when Arnie throws him and he just goes through the wall. So usually it leaves a hole when I do that. I love that. I absolutely love that. Just disappears through it. Ah, this is strange. He usually leaves a hole. <laughs> um, but he's. It's just weird as well, because he like blows up as yeah. well. And it's like he blew up on top of Arnie. And yet. Was it just because he was part of the movie world that if he kills him, like if if he had if um if Jack had actually died, like and that thing would he have just turned to dust or whatever? I mean, yeah. like, I don't I don't get. I was like, oh, I don't understand. Um, or was it the eye was explosive or or what? I just I don't know. Uh, the whole change in eye things though was great. I loved that. Um, but yeah, there was certain things that just. It really put into question, like Ian McKellen's death. Now death's just walking about. Yeah, it's I do like, like how he just walks past the guy in the street and just touches him. Yep, and then he chokes. So it shows you that he is. I do love his delivery of the line of like, you know, I was just curious. He's yeah, he's not any of my lists. Yep, and then he's like, but you are <laughs> <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, no, wait. you die, grandfather. He's 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 tremendous. Like he's tremendous. It's and such it, a tiny role. Yep, but it 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 just goes to show that Ian McKellen will do fucking anything and knock it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, and it, it needed that gravitas as well. Yep, I mean for God's sake, the man was in fucking Coronation Street and he was amazing. Yeah, you know it's just unbelievable. Um, <laughs> the man's in videos online with Patrick Stewart and he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but that uh, you know he's he's death in the seventh seal, which. <laughs> He wasn't actually Death in the Seven Seal, was he? No. Yeah, I was going to say, that film would have been out way before he started acting, surely. Yeah, well... Yeah, it's, not. Um, is it uh, not like a 40s film? No, it's the guy from The Exorcist is the guy playing chess. Max von Sydow. Oh, right. Is he the guy playing chess, or does he play Death in that? Uh, I thought he played Death in that. Yes. Yeah, it's weird they didn't get Max von Sydow. Seal. I'm doing the doing. The, it's 1957. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it isn't Max Fonsino. It is. It is Max Fonsino. He's yeah. he's the guy. I think he's the guy playing them. Yeah. It's uh, oh god, an, a very unpronounceable name that's playing death. Bank Bank. Oh, Bengt Eggerot. <laughs> See, I'm glad you took a pass at that because yeah. <laughs> I struggle with known surnames. Yeah, but. Uh, I don't know if Max von Sydow would have uh, given as much gravitas to uh, it. The guy who could... played Death died in 1971, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't getting him back. <laughs> no, no. Sorry, that sounded really cut. I didn't mean it to sound like that. <laughs> Sorry. He went to I think death. the thing with Max von Sydow is he's one of those actors that's always seemed to play older, because obviously you've got The Exorcist, where he was made up to look a lot older than he actually yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He kind of looks, he kinda looks the like the Seven Seal as well. Yeah. But... But no, it's great. Like I say, I mean, there's so many great things. Like Michael Kamen's score. I mean, if you're going to do an action movies movie riff, you get Michael Kamen in to do the score. Mm-hmm. Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. Yeah. License to Kill. Fuck you and John. <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of long held distorted guitar notes. Yeah. Uh, a wee bit of uh, a wee bit of reverb on the on the go there. Um, that you've got a, on the needle drops shoving a bit of you know Def Leppard ACDC you know um, yeah it's just it's tremendous it's uh, I re- do you know what I love it 
like I say, I was confused when I first ever watched it and a bit kind of like, what's going on? And I did question then why it was a 15. I'd questioned before why it was a 15 because it never looked like it and it had the kid in it and everything as well. And by all intents and purposes, I think maybe my uncle or something had seen it and was like, oh, it shouldn't be a 15. Because um, it seems like the type of thing he would watch. Um, and then when I did watch it, <clears throat> being like, why is this a 15? And just thinking maybe it was because he spit some blood at the end or whatever and it was a bit too full yeah, on. Yeah, I don't know if maybe the Ripper was a bit... Tom Noonan's great in that part as well. And Tom he Noonan's is. great as himself as well. And yeah. He <laughs> just like, Didn't you just... He's like, what? What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, straight away. Sorry. I mean, he's going to need a new agent after this film because I'm guessing he's got butchered. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's, he did say to him, you know, thank God I could get you a suit, so... <laughs> so he's at least got a suit for the funeral so that's something <laughs> um, but yeah it was just I think the one thing in this film that I could take or leave is the funeral scene yeah it's a bit it feels that's... like it slows it down a little bit that's really slapsticky as well that's I, like I know some... People, some people cite the blockbuster scene but I quite enjoy it because it is what you do if you're trying to prove to somebody that they're in a movie Yep. although when you think it through logically, it wouldn't work. It's like always been my thing of like, what do the characters in Coronation Street watch at half seven on a Monday night? Yep. On ITV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you always see them watching TV. You never That's actually it. see what they're watching. <laughs> and you know, they're always in the pub, despite the fact they've got no money and they've got kids at home. Who the fuck's got the kids? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just soap logic. But yeah, um, I don't know. Sometimes I like it and other times it just, I, it feels like it grinds the film to a halt a little bit. It's just, possibly a little bit too far even for this film it's the bit that made me laugh the most but i was actually thinking like this is full-on slapstick now and it does go long in the tooth of when they were trying to get rid of the body uh but it smacks of like um like hot shots or something yeah you know i mean like one of those kind of like airplane or hot shots or something the fact that everybody at the funeral brings out a massive gun <laughs> even the nun yeah, uh, and uh, the old wifey in the in the chair with a big, huge, yeah. massive machine gun, and uh, him chucking the body off the thing like, wait, <laughs> throwing him off. I do like that little bit, and I like his little <laughs> like pretending to be the voice. Of yeah, the, the fart or whatever it's called. This man is alive. <laughs> we need a doctor. I'm a doctor. <laughs> Check his head. <laughs> this man has fainted. <laughs> He, I think Schwarzenegger looks like he's having a whale of a time. I think he was. I think um, Austin O'Brien says that he had so much fun making it as well. It was like yeah. there was a couple of bits, but because he was a kid, nobody was ever. It's like you could see the stresses on people, but yeah. I think there was a bit where he passed out because his harness was too tight for one scene, mm-hmm. and he was too scared to say anything because he could see everybody was stressed out. Yeah, but yeah, I think like you know his downtime was hanging around with Michael Jackson, which you know. In hindsight, um, oh yeah, I didn't know that. Having silly string fights with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, see, that's just tremendous. I'd fuck, I'd fuck, and I'd, I'd trade, I would trade some memories to have that as a memory. I'll tell you that. I'd I be, imagine that's why a lot of people hate child actors. Like you little shit. That's what yeah. I'm gonna do. He was great though. He was amazing. He was, like I say, it's, I, you truly invested him in him as a film lover. I can, as a lover of film as well, you can truly relate to how invested he is in that world and how excited he is to see that film. 
I think what helps with his character as well, though, and why you don't mind him as much as a, as a sort of child actor and all that kind of shit, is that he's dirt poor. Yeah. And I mean, like, dirt poor. Most of these things in films where they show them being dirt poor, they still live in an amazing apartment or whatever. They live in a shitty, shitty place. There is drug dealers outside the door that are going to rob you if you as much as touch the door handle at night. Uh, his mum has to go and work all hours to make any sort of money and they literally <laughs> live in what looks like a hallway and a kitchen <laughs> she can't even come home when he's been attacked in their apartment <laughs> exactly exactly just gets told her she'll come when she's finished her shift you know what i mean but I, I think that says more about the american system than. <laughs> yeah it does it does but like they they really do live in a total shithole uh, and the bits of New York as well that was showing like proper New York at that at that time of just being just before, it was sort of just at the tail end of when they were trying to clean it up and stuff yeah. and it just it just was scum everywhere you know what I mean like oh yeah there's like, still a thing in the back of my mind that's terrified of the idea of ever going to New York purely based on 80s and early 90s action movies that I've seen. Yeah, you wouldn't be now. You would now just be terrified to go to New York because everybody's just asking for money, that's all. Not that they're trying to steal your money, just that they're trying to get it by doing free hugs or whatever. You know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just I was looking at it being like, Christ, like that's really bad. Even that bit like Charles Dan shooting somebody or somebody getting shot and it's like steely shoes and he's like, steal his shoes you know what I mean it's like it's the prostitute that approached him just like how old are you yeah <laughs> she's like just forget it no screams no silence excuse me excuse me yeah um, I'm sorry to bother you. I wonder if you'd help me test a theory. Sure, what can I do for you? Well... But I love it. I love the confusion on his face of like, wow. And like he, he says to Tom Nunes' character as well, like, you can do anything here. <laughs> he's like, there'll be a fresh start. And he's sort of saying to Jack as well, like, here, the the bad guys win, you know. And it's like, it's just a, incredible. Like, that that was like, a, that was hell. Yeah. You know, if they were doing if they were doing a stark difference between the real world and the film world and showing one was like really glitzy and uh, you couldn't believe anything that was going to happen and one was super like realistic real, then they did it <laughs> because yeah. that was just that was a shit hole. Yeah. That's one of the that's <laughs> one of the worst. That's one of the worst depictions of New York I've ever seen, but it's also one of the worst depictions of America. I've ever seen, which I'm really surprised at, especially for a Hollywood movie um, that involved Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's like Mr. God bless America. You know what I mean, like, and yet 
you look at that and even he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, um, it's just, it's awful. And I think that's that really does help with sympathising and relating to his characters. Like, What's it? And you can see why he's so invested in a film world. Yeah, exactly, because he needs to escape. I mean, it's like, you know, a lot of us I grew up as lonely kids or not particularly popular kids. Yeah. It was just an, that and comic books were the easy escape, weren't they? It's, mm-hmm. Even his even his class is a shithole. Yeah. He walks into his class, none of the kids are listening. The woman's just trying her best to get somebody to listen to something about Hamlet or whatever and you know, and then she, she shoves on a film. She's just like oh, fuck it, I just put the movie on. I mean It, it does lead to that amazing as we hinted at at the beginning, I yeah. Hamlet. So good. To be or not to be. Not to be. The- <laughs> Stay thy hand a fair prince. Who said I was fair? <laughs> just got a machine gun. <laughs> so good. It's just him like literally like it started and I'm just fucking lighting the cigar. <laughs> it's actually it's crazy colours at that point as well. Because you yeah. get that that sort of really dark, almost black and white, sort of dark blue and shades and then the just lit red end of the cigar and stuff and the and the stained glass window that smashes when he's kicking the guy through it, you know. Um it's just it was crazy. I was sitting looking at it like who thought of that? Yeah. Who thought like that's how we're gonna light that? I'm like, I don't even know films that do that normally. <laughs> I mean yeah, like I say it's, it's I mean, you know, you could argue that it really sticks out in the film, but I don't think it does. I think it's I mean, I'd watch that version of Hamlet. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'd, you know, I love Kenneth Branagh, but I'll watch that over his three-hour version. Yep. I love that he... I love that he, he, uh, Danny was sitting watching it as well, like yeah. the actual Hamlet, and he's just going, do it! Stab him! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's what you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, stop monologuing, just stab him and get it over with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I just I, I don't know man it's just I think it's all out and out fun it's a tremendous romp um, I think it probably just helps now that you know there's been a lot of shit there's been a lot of crappy films and yeah you look back at Schwarzenegger's career as well and he's done some stinkers you're like this is not one of the lowest ones in his lot no it's one of those films I think I mean, again, they say in the article that they were bigging it up so much in advance mm-hmm. because they insisted on having the release date of the 18th of June, 1993. Yeah. They set that in and then that was locked. And then they were begging Mark Canton to shift the date because it turned out that the week before, that's when Jurassic Park was going to come out. Yeah. But because Hook had underperformed, he was so convinced that Jurassic Park could just fizzle and die and they'd be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently when Zach Penn rang him up to try and convince him he was like I'm more excited to see Jurassic Park than I am Last Action Hero and I'm involved <laughs> in Last Action Hero <laughs> but it had a, it was a spec script that Zach Penn wrote with um, Adam Leaf mm-hmm. uh, which was originally titled Extremely Violent then when after they sold it, it Shane Black and David Arnott were brought in to do rewrites then when John McTiernan came on he did a rewrite Yep. Uh, then they paid William Goldman a million dollars for four weeks' work on the script. Then it got passed to Carrie Fisher to uh, add a female touch. <laughs> um, then there were loads of others, among which Larry Ferguson, who wrote um, The Hunt for Red October. 
mm-hmm. was one of the script writers on Hunt for Red October. <laughs> like, it went through so many people. I think William Goldman's responsible for the Benedict character. Right. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. It's basically a hodgepodge of lots of different things. And like yep. I say, tonally, nobody seemed to know whether it was an action movie, a kid's movie, a parody. Or... It just lost sight of what it was. Apparently, it got so bitter on set, um, Zach Penn had a small cameo in the police station. <laughs> in a cop. But apparently, one of the other actors pointed out to him that um, McTiernan was framing it so that he was never in shot. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, it got that petty. Jesus. That's ridiculous. It's fucking insane. Yeah, it is. McTiernan and um, Shane Black fell out for a while because they tried to get Shane Black to come in and fix the script. And he was like, no, fuck you. I did the script and then you fired me from it. <laughs> he was like, and now you're ringing me up asking me to come back and tweak some bits for you. I just find it insane that there was that much stuff going on. Like, it's just nuts. I mean, it was like, I saw a little fact uh, pop up that the, the script was actually... Um, bought and optioned for like three hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars. I'm like, what? Yeah, because the, the original writers can believe it. Yeah, I think um, John McTiernan described the final stretch of production as the worst time he's ever had in the movie business. Jesus, and, you know, this is a guy who did the remake of Rollerball, and uh, he was sentenced to. He went to prison for a little bit as well. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> And he still resists. But he was saying that he was just up against it. He was buried in so He was like, a lot of the takes that went in it were unedited. It was just as they were shot. Hmm. Which makes me think maybe that scene with Danny where he flubs the line was just like that. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, again, they were so set on that 18th of June release date. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just had a I've just had a thought. When you, when you were saying it was 18th of June... I have a very, very, very vague memory that I was meant to go and see that at the cinema. And because it was a 15 and I was just really young, I didn't get to go. And the only reason I say that is because my birthday is June as well. It's very close to that date of the 18th. We had had it in July. We had it 30th of July over here. Yeah, I'm feeling like... I'm feeling like... I was asked if I wanted to do something for something and we were meant to go. I don't know. I, yeah. It just suddenly sparked. It was when you were mentioning dates and stuff. I'm going, were we supposed to go to the cinema for that? Because we, at that time when it was, when it was out, we had a little cinema that was in the center of town. And uh, I mean, it's long gone now, but it's where I saw men in black and Batman and Robin, funnily enough. Um, and I'm thinking, was was I meant to go and see it there? And we sort of turned up thinking because it looked the way it was. And then it was because it was a 15, we just turned yeah, around and it came back out. Yeah. I want to say it was, it was either that or I'm thinking it was when we went to rent it. It was one of the two. It was either when we went to see the cinema or when we went to rent it. And it was because it was a 15 that I didn't see it for ages because I was only, I was only we, you know, I was only... I mean, when this film came out, I was only four. That's <laughs> it. It's yeah, it's weird that it was a fifteen because you look at it now and there's nothing in it really that would make you think that's a fifteen. Twelve at a push. Mm-hmm. But yep. And I yet, don't know why I thought it was a PG. It's just one of those things that I can picture the poster with a PG certificate on it. And I guess that's just got stuck in my head. Yeah, I was about to say, and yet I saw Terminator and Terminator Two, but. When I think about that, that was because 
my dad showed me them on the sly. You know, the old yeah. don't, don't tell your mum. <laughs> One of them. Um, and then he stuck them on and he'd, I think he'd had them taped off a BBC One or something like that, or Sky or something, one of the one of the things. So I was thinking like, oh, I saw that, but I didn't see Last Action Hero. But it must have been something. Somebody must have said something at some point that meant that I didn't get to see it. Yeah. Somebody must have said like put an earwig in of like, oh no, it's pretty brutal at some point, and then I just never got to see it. Because I remember seeing it that much later and being like, why didn't I see this? Because <laughs> I I'd I'd, say I like I remember being really excited about it. But I remember buying that postcard. Yeah, and um, and then yeah, it just dropped off my radar. I don't know. I think Jurassic Park came out, and that was the big film of that summer. And mm-hmm. that and Super Mario Brothers were the two films I saw that summer. Oh Jesus! I know. <laughs> I remember There's really liking movie. Super Mario Brothers as a kid, but you're a kid. Yeah, I tried. It's just to cool watching. seeing something you've only ever seen animated or as a pixelated thing in a game in live action, mm-hmm. even though you're like, this isn't how it is in the game at all. I used to play on ITV all the time. Yeah, I remember that. I used to we used to play on ITV all the time, um, and I remember just catching glimpses of it and going, "Holy shit, this is awful." <laughs> yeah, and it was terrible because I loved Bob Hoskins. Um, I mean, I loved his take of Smee and uh, Hook, incredible. Um, but to see him playing Super Mario was like, oh Christ! The worst thing is, is of that summer <laughs> I enjoyed Super Mario more than Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's just proof that kids are fucking idiots yeah that's true that well, I think because Super Mario just see, does seem to happen Jurassic Park seemed to be really slow for a really long fucking time Yeah, it's all the shit I love as an adult but as a kid I was like show me the fucking dinosaur come on yeah I never took to it straight away at all um, I, I, I don't need you uh, debating about the rights and wrongs of it show me the fucking T-Rex yeah took me a long time to get into Jurassic Park big time it was very much a only showed up because you said you had a fucking t-rex yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least super mario showed me mario straight away he wasn't dressed right and you know nothing was nothing was right mate <laughs> that was how i found out that he's mario mario and luigi mario <laughs> mario has to be the surname yeah exactly the mario brothers <laughs> so, so funny but you know i recommend reading that article there's some great stuff in it about like you know all the publicity stuff that went on you know real world events went on then they branded a rocket that nasa was sending up with last action yeah and it got delayed (laughs) so it didn't go up until after the film was going out they put a big inflatable arnold schwarzenegger uh, around by the world trade center and he had two sticks of dynamite (laughs) but because they just had that bomb attack there that was quietly taken down and not mentally yet. They spent all this money on disastrous. It's again, it's shit you can write. You can expect it in like you know a thirty rock style satirical thing about the movie business. Yeah. But say it's just, and I wonder how much of that stuff sort of got out and tarred people against the film before it even came out. Yeah. I think because they bigged it up so much, and I think it's like um, I think it's John Wattin in the article says it was never that film. It was never meant to be this big it was meant to be a quiet film kind of thing you know yeah slip out be a sleeper hit rather than a but um they turned it into a fight between them and um jurassic park and i was gonna say he says that now (laughs) (laughs) he says that now in hindsight he's like oh it was meant to be 
this you know well, yeah at the time he was probably like where the fuck is real 12 yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's just yeah it's just because i do wonder if things i thought were a gag like arnie getting shot in the chest where he's got the vest on underneath but then when mm-hmm. he's going up the steps his shirt's perfectly clear clean again yeah <laughs> he's going to change his shirt and his jacket so i wondered whether that was just a continuity error I or think whether it was a deliberate continuity error. There is some pretty big glaring continuity errors that happen. The, uh, the sort of, you know, with Prime uh, Video when you're yeah. when you're watching it, it comes up with like little factoid bits at the side. Um, like if you pause it or whatever, there's little like the old tri- days of pop-up video on it. Um, yeah, yeah, VH1. Yeah. yeah, there's like trivia, and uh, I saw a couple of times when I paused it, there was a bit for that scene being like continuity error here continuity error there and i was the same as you i was thinking is it actually a continuity error or is it just that they meant it because it was meant to be like that kind of action film um i just couldn't i couldn't tell and it'd just be there was just far too many little bits like that in hindsight now i'm looking at it's like oh Maybe that does let it down, but I I don't know. I just I took it all on I, board. I think as in fun. hindsight it sort of works in. It's one of the films you could get away with it. I think. Yeah. If it had been like Lethal Weapon three and Riggs's shirt was all ripped and then it was perfect and black and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I I definitely think it plays better now. Yeah. Um, I think it definitely plays a lot better now than it than it used to. Um, and I think with the fact that of what. Arnie has done in like politics and uh, like coming back to his movie career and having a few like straight to DVD sort of clunkers and stuff. It just jumps right up in his list of movies as well. Yeah, it was very much a victim of hype at the time, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think. And obviously, he was coming off the back of Terminator 2 as well, which was the last film in which he teamed up with the kid. Yeah. So I can't, I don't think there was anything in between. There might have been a film in between, but certainly for big hitters. I mean, he was coming off a string of big hitters from Commando right up until mm-hmm. this, pretty much. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it must have been a bit of pill for him to swallow. It's, um, I mean, they even parody it in The Simpsons with McBain. Yeah, I, I, I was reading about that. So the article opens, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Talking about that. I mean, it's it looks looks like one of those films that was made with the best intentions, messily. Oh, big time. I just think they lost sight of the idea. I know um, a couple of people have said about they'd love to remake it. Actually, as it was originally intended to be, because I think it was. Um, I don't know. I don't know who you would get to be in it, though. I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's time has passed. Action movies aren't like that anymore. No. It's one of the things that sort of come out over the course of doing these. I think politics has got too much into action movies now. Yeah. Or people's politics, not so much within the film. It's not so just that. It's you've got to be careful who your bad guy is because, you know, gone are the days where you'd just be like vaguely brown and foreign. He'll do as a villain. Yeah. Or and you know, Russian. So I'm not defending that. Yeah. Yeah. But sort of, you know, it's like, who do we have as the villain now? And, you know, the political leanings of character, obviously, police and law enforcement are viewed in a very different light post George Floyd and the like. It's funny because in in this, it's not the typical 
villain in a way. Yeah. Because it is is the mob and a British guy. And I get it, like British people play a lot of villains and stuff as well, but that's slightly less controversial in a way when you think about it, you know. Yeah. A ginger British guy. <laughs> um it's like so in between. Um It's even things then, like the fact that it opens with a, a hostage situation on the top of an elementary school. Yeah. Talked about this with Lethal Weapon with the deleted scene of the school shooter in that. The school sniper is kind of I could see why you took that out. Cause, yeah. Know, especially given what's happened recently. I, th- I think with this as well, it doesn't help that like there's guns everywhere. Yeah. And then in the middle of like, I mean, we've already got well, well before the question of gun control was coming in with, with the states and stuff but that is just taking it to the extremes and like you say that even plays a lot more in sort of modern action films there's a lot less gun action on the go there's a lot more just hand-to-hand combat and stuff it's It's even more weird that arnie didn't want his action figure i get you know action figures are sold squarely to kids but it's still a weird thing to be like, yeah, I'm more than happy to use guns in this film, but I don't want my figures carrying them around. He's got like a weird thing in this film as well, though. There's a bit when he's, you know, it's the funny joke where he's giving it like, oh, we only kill 89 people in this film as opposed to the 142. I love how bored that reporter looks as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his wife's just standing in the back like, come on. But, you know, that's it's a weird it's a weird line that now that you say, oh, he didn't want his action figure to come with a gun. I'm like, was he maybe trying to step away from that? Because then you think about the next f- couple of films that come as well with Junior yeah. and Jingle all the way and stuff. There was no yeah, gun he was action in them. Very much into family comedies, wasn't mm-hmm. he at that point? So. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I know one of the big things for him with the original script was the violence in it. Yeah. Because obviously it was called Extremely Violent was the original title. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. He does a razor and true lies, like in between there. But yeah. to do a, a sort of a friend, a family friendly film with Danny DeVito where he plays a pregnant man. Yeah. Uh, you know, one where he's trying to chase down a doll, and then he goes on to Batman and Robin. Um, it's like yeah, where he essentially plays an action figure. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, and his his weapon is is a freeze gun. You know. It's nothing. He's not going out with a big desert eagle or anything, you know. And, and spoilers for Batman and Robin, he's redeemed in the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which I always loved. I don't know why, I just really loved that bit. Um, well, I mean, it's it's the tragic character that is Mr. Freeze, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's true. Well, I just, I think it just doesn't help as well that regardless of, you know, Arnie's performance in that and the, the piss take that was the whole kind of movie, once again, I'm just a huge Arnie fan. Yeah. I've, I mean, the band, the man's questionable in real life in some respects of what he's, he's, the choices he's made throughout his career and his his personal life and whatnot. But I don't know, it, it's it's mellowed him out a bit more. Um, yeah, I, I still individual. question the inclusion in his autobiography of a picture of him and his two sons stood at a urinal. It's like one, <laughs> who took that photo? Two, why did you think that was a good thing to put in your book? <laughs> Come on, this is a guy that did a film called Pumping Iron. Where he was like, pumping iron is just like coming over and over again. <laughs> it was just like, what? <laughs> um, you know, he's he's done some questionable stuff, but I I don't know. I just I just really like him. I really yeah. like him. And it's funny because Bill Hader was his uh, assistant for years. 
he was his PA. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and um, he's always said it. He's always said it. Uh, never, there was never an issue with Arnie. He said he, he's very committed, very determined, um, and you know always wanted to do the job. He said I only ever had like one or two incidents where he didn't want to do anything. And he said, and even then, I was sympathetic towards him because he's a leader movie. He does press all the time. He says there, there's got to bound to be a, a moment where somebody asks you to do something on set and you're just like, no, go I away. I mean, you don't become a living brand. It's the same as Tom Cruise. He's a living fucking brand, now, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yep. he's a franchise in itself. It doesn't matter whether the films are connected or not. It, it was in within the Tom Cruise franchise kind of yep. thing. And it's just, yeah, you give all I mean, you know, there's whole other issues there, but... Buddy movie material. I'll teach you to be vulnerable. You'll teach me to be brave. Hi, I'm Jack Slater's new partner. Jack and I will be working together for the duration of the film. You know I'm right. If this was a real world, I mean, they wouldn't make me your partner. They'd assign me to a social worker. Here's one. Tell me how I know they tortured Frank and then stashed him behind his front door. Because I saw it on screen. Because this is a movie. So sort of his film timeline-wise, it was Twins, Total Recall, Kindergarten Cop, Terminator 2, then this. Mm-hmm. He popped up in a couple of weird little films. Nothing. After this, he did Beretta's Island, which I've never heard of. I'm he guessing did... it's one of those. He had a small part. And... Yeah, he did like Nissan noodle commercials as well for a while. <laughs> yeah, then he's True Lies, Junior, Eraser, Jingle All the Way, Batman Robin, End of Days, which is a weird fucking movie. It is a weird film. Him versus the devil. I don't like that film at all. Admittedly, I've only watched it once. I might prefer it now, but... It just never made much sense to me. I was going like, what? It's got that weird bit with the mother and daughter where they just melt into each other. Yeah. It's a pretty brutal film as well. Yeah. It's not not a fun Arnie movie, is it? No, no, not at all. That was always one I put off for the longest time because of its sort of... um, there was a lot of marketing behind it, and it just showed Arnie looking absolutely buggered. Like he's got a, he's got a bit of a, a lot of stubble on the go, which he'd always been really yeah. clean shaven for a long time. I know in recent years he's got a beard and stuff, but in those days it was never seen, and he just looks rough. Yeah, and I, it was, I remember renting that one. I think that was the end of my that and Batman and Robin were the two hitters of me being like, I think I'm done with Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah. Um, then he did the sixth day, which I watched recently and actually really enjoyed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a surpri- yeah, surprisingly it's, good film. Then it's collateral damage, Terminator Three. Then that's when he oh, ran the world in eighty days. Uh, Kid and I, another film I've heard of. Yeah. Then it's Expendables, sort of the comeback thing. Escape Plan in twenty thirteen. I enjoyed. Wait, but his bit in Expendables one though, he never did anything really. He was just standing about. And saying to them like "Good luck with your mission," and that was it. I said it's, it's slightly more than his cameo in. Is it Welcome to the Jungle, the rock film where he walks past and he tells him to enjoy it? Yeah, sort of doing that passes of the torch thing, which is yeah. always quite a nice touch. Whereas yeah, then he, number two, Expendables two, he had like a proper action role. That was when he was coming in with a fucking Gatling gun and shit. Yeah, then then he just seems to pop up in Terminator movies, which is mm-hmm. ill-advised. And, uh, <laughs> Jackie Chan films just random now he's doing BMW commercials <laughs> which is fine well, um, there was the whole governor thing in between all that well, as well. yeah he did that as well he, he went full Republican yeah which 
I was I, so I was so pleased when even though he's a Republican when he started you know doing all the anti-Trump stuff. It's funny because, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because he's he's Republican, but um, he's one of those he's one of those Republicans that I like like there is certain. Oh, God, I'm going to take a lot of flack for this. Um, but there is certain people who still vote and act conservative in this country who aren't your typical conservative yeah for what you would think your typical conservative is um and i always think that with arnie he's a republican but he's a republican who gets behind like green energy and um you know he's he's for um gay rights and everything like that as well you know it's it's just like all the stuff that you would think you know your typical villainous republican you, you, even when you think of like Trump or whatever, you you know you go like That's fucking it. hell. He's very much a to the left Republican, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, it, he's more he's he's veering more cent- centrist than anything else, yeah. you know. Um, uh, and I mean, he was the governor of California, which is a pretty easygoing state in that respect. Well, from what you can, from what the the sort of public images of it, you know. Um, but as far as I can tell, I don't think a lot of people liked him as governor. Uh, no, I, I must admit I never read much into his political career. It, no, it didn't interest me, and I was always slightly worried that it had further taint. It's like I've got his autobiography, and I've sort of flicked through it and started to read it a couple of times, and then there's other things. Times I'm like, I like Arnie. It's like, do I want to? Yeah, I know. I keep thinking that as well. But there's a load of so Arnie fanboys that say it's actually really good. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I really. It was don't just know one of those ones I picked you. up on a whim. <laughs> I, I do love a good autobiography, but I've got so many that I haven't actually got around to reading yet. Partly through fear of being like, you know, they're going to say something in this that's really going to change my opinion of them. Or... Yeah, I would have loved to have got it because when he did his book tour, he, he literally took photos with everybody that got it. Um, he didn't, he didn't um, skimp out at all. Um, there's a, an old friend of mine has a, a photograph with him. And I just, I'm always so jealous when I see that photo. Because yeah. <laughs> he said he was like, he was a great guy. He said he literally, he didn't do the thing of like signing and just saying, thank you very much for coming. And then that's it. He said he actually like acknowledged you. And, you know, if you had something to say to him, he'd chat to you and stuff. I was like, fucking hell. And I could just yeah. imagine the cues for that. A, a big thing with me with not, I've done a couple of those. I did a Simon Pegg, Nick Frost one. Uh, yeah. Nick Frost was lovely, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just, I did one where I, um, Sting did one as well in Cheltenham, and I went, and he was really good as well, because he did a thing where he was like, look, I haven't got time to chat to people now, but I'm going to make sure everybody at least gets their book signed, mm-hmm. which he didn't have to do. Yep. Kind of thing. But I just, I don't know, I just, yeah, I'm always slightly put off by meeting people. Yeah. Yep. It's why I've got no time for those MCM type things. Like pay this amount. It's like have you seen the Ewan McGregor one for is it Glasgow Comic Con? No. It's like, I love Ewan McGregor. Uh, you know, in on screen. I'm not overly familiar with his personal life. He's not somebody I've ever particularly looked into. As far as I know, he's a decent sort. But um yeah, it's a photo with him and it's two hundred and some quid, I think. Jesus. I think it's hundred and seventy summer if it's just you. If it's you and a friend with you and McGregor, it's two hundred and sixty, something like that. Why is he even bothering to do this stuff? I'm guessing they've been like, you know, you've got Obi Wan out, we need to get you at cons. That's but just he's, that, he's not doing autographs at all by the looks of it. 
It's just insane, though. I don't get why they would put him out to Glasgow, like comic convention or film and whatever convention or whatever. I just, I just don't get it. Like he's too big. I would say he's too big a name to be doing yeah. stuff like that. That's ridiculous. That'd be like that's the kind of shit. If he's gonna do it, you're like, you know, we just eat the cost on it. <laughs> yeah, like just, I could just imagine, do it to give some back, kind of thing. I could imagine if it was like San Diego or something like that. Like, but Glasgow. I mean, he must Perhaps be he was back. home that weekend. And he was That's like, what I was going to say, yeah. He must just be back <laughs> visiting family. And they've been like, I just shove you in there at the same point. Um, I've, I've never got those things. It's just, it's not a real moment. It's a manufactured moment. Book signings are slightly different because sometimes it's hit and miss whether you're actually going to get to the key, front of the queue, isn't it? But yeah. These things yeah. where you've just paid for a moment. It's like, I know somebody who, I want to say it was Stan Lee he had a picture with. But it was such a in photo go that when he got home and looked at the photo, he was out of focus. Oh, that's a nightmare. Like blurry to shit, and it's like he spent like sixty to ninety quid on it. Ugh, horrible. See, that's why you I know like... if if people are into that sort of thing, I'm not judging them. That's one hundred percent fine. I get it. I mean, but it's just not for me. There's lots of people I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with. Yeah, See, See, that's if why I could I... pay two hundred quid to have like a good fifteen twenty minute conversation. Yeah, that's that's why I loved uh, meeting Kev Smith. Yeah, because that man just dedicates his fucking time to you. He even says like he comes out, you know, after the show, we're going to do autographs here, photos here, we're going to do a line there, line there. So um, he didn't do that in Bristol. I was gutted. Did he not? Apparently, he'd been kicking around Bristol during the day. Like a couple of people had seen him in pubs and just oh, talking to did, him. See, he did that. At, he did that. At, um, Edinburgh as well, but he still he still did it. He came out and was like, everybody wants stuff signed, everybody wants. Um, I don't know if it was pictures. the venue told him they couldn't do it then or what, but uh, I was getting because I just really we're going off on a tangent, but Kevin Smith's one of those people that I just want to say thank you to because yeah, yeah, because yeah. of him I had one of the best summers of my life making mm-hmm. a film. Fuck all yeah. happened with that film, but it was an amazing summer, mm-hmm. and I just like to say thank you to him for it. But well. Not to rub it in your face, mate, but that's exactly what I did. I thanked him and Ralph, uh, got the picture, gave them both a hug, and cried. <laughs> <laughs> See, the other downside with the Bristol one was he just shown the super groovy cartoon movie, which I uh, fucking hated. Loved the Q and A with him and Jay afterwards, but I wonder if that's maybe what it was, just because I hated it was, that movie. <laughs> maybe maybe just because it was like showing the film or something. I don't know. It's not a good film. It's a shame. No. It's a shame because I, I mean I, I must admit I'm very hit and miss on his later stuff. I'll always love the early stuff, but yeah. just because of the pure what it meant to me at the time. I just got that whole thing. It's almost like support your mates. Like I don't know why, but I'll just I'll go to bat. I'll I'll pay the money. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. With the exception of yoga hoses, which is the only one I haven't seen, just because it's impossible to get here. Do not. <laughs> no, I've heard that as well. <clears throat> so there's there's always that hole in my collection but yeah it's a, it's a shame because as because obviously he was working with his kid and stuff as well but it might just be my bias as well i don't like johnny depp and he's in it yeah um i've like quite i, I didn't really like tusk either i thought tusk was interesting but i didn't enjoy it as a film i followed everything on tusk from the start to when it came out um and like was fascinated by it. Then when I saw it, I think I had hyped it way too much in my head. It's, it's the snakes on the plane thing, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I'd, I'd hyped it way too much, and then I watched it and was like, I've still got it. Um, but I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be so much better. Like, 
I, mean, I don't know. There's a part of me that still enjoys it, and it's good to see. I mean, it's one of one of Michael Park's last movies. Yeah. And he, Kev. Really... Oh, he's great in it. He's great in that, and he's great in Red State, which is another film that yep. I'm glad I've seen, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. I wasn't a massively sold on the last Jane Silent Bob movie either. Oh, see, I haven't watched that yet. <clears throat> I, I'd say watch it. It's got some nice bits in it, but there's other bits in it where it just feels a little bit like a Kevin Smith fan made a Jane Silent Bob film. Right. Okay. Um, well, he is the world's biggest Kevin Smith fan. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's elements of Last Action Hero in it, in that it's um, the weird world mixing with the Jay and Silent Bob fictional world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it has elements of that. It's just some of it works, some of it doesn't. Do you actually saying that? Do you think that there's other films that have played the like off the back of the kind of Last Action Hero model? Um, but have maybe just done it better. I don't know, because obviously the big ones, Purple Rose of Cairo, the Woody Allen film, mm-hmm. in which the character leaves the film rather than somebody going into the movie world. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, part of the genesis of this was it's Purple Rose of Cairo, but in reverse. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I don't know. This film's weirdly unique, and I don't think anybody really touched the idea, because obviously the whole magic ticket thing is what they mock in The Simpsons, isn't it? I fuck, I, I, I love that, though. I, I read somewhere... I do. It's, yeah. it's the dream, isn't it, of getting sucked into a film? Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that they had said originally that they weren't going to have him explain... Like, they weren't going to explain how he ended up in the film and then out the film. It would just it would just happen. It would be a bit of magic sort of thing. And I thought, that wouldn't have worked for me. No, I, I liked, you need the MacGuffin, don't you? It's... Yep, I liked that the guy had a theatre... It made sense that Houdini would play it. It was a family place, so he would meet him. Um, and I love the idea as well that Nick was too scared to ever use the ticket. Yes. Yes. For, for he... fear that it was all bullshit and it would shatter his illusion of Houdini. Exactly. I can, It's a bit like, you know, not watching somebody's film because you're worried that it's finally going to taint your opinion of their career kind of thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I love Fast and Furious up to the eighth one. I just can't bring myself to watch the ninth one kind of thing. <laughs> For example. Yeah. <laughs> but it is like there was just I, I think it all made sense and it. Uh, I'm very much. I th- I think I would be an ap- an apologist for this film if there was folks giving giving it a really good kick in. I'd be jumping straight in there just to go back at them and be like, fucking show me something that did something more original and better than this. Go on, go on. Around that time. You know I mean, like something it, that was I mean, taking at least this those film chances. Took a swing, didn't it? Yeah, it did. it's very rare now you get films that take a swing like that. Mm-hmm. You've got possibly the most recent example is probably, even though I've not seen it yet, is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh yeah, yeah, I've not seen that yet either. Which I really want to see it, but I just it's just multiverse stuff again, though, man. Like, because, uh, uh, there's multiverse stuff going on bloody everywhere. Is that the equivalent these days of this last action hero? Is that is the equivalent now just that everybody does a, a fucking multiverse? Yeah. Is that what it is? So that they can just jump from place to place. I mean, this literally only had two worlds, cinema and real. You know what I mean? That was it. And I suppose was... you could argue possibly screams a bit in that it's self-referential. It's aware of what it is. Oh, but that's... Uh, I love... I love that. Mm, that might be I'm not something... saying it's the same thing because it's not going into a movie, but it's... it's sort of, it was... Possibly yeah. Wes Craven's new nightmare before that. 
Mate, if you ever do a Halloween-themed episode, I would gladly talk about the Scream franchise till my face goes blue. <laughs> I need a Halloween one for this year, so... There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. That's the next five years sorted. We can do a Scream film a year. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. I love it. I love the Scream films. I haven't seen the most recent one, but I've seen every other one, and I love each I every have. one of them. Oh, have you? I have, yeah. Oh, wait, um, yeah, you have. No, you spoke about it with Andy briefly, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I skipped over it because I didn't want to hear what you were saying about it. Yeah, no, I, I won't say anything. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> always with people, it's like, you know, if you've want to, if you seen it and you want to ask my opinion of it, that's cool, but I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Because for one, I hate sitting in a film and being like, Andy said this was good. It's like, <laughs> it was a bag of shit, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, I, I mean, I love West arguably Craven's. that's the only other one that's sort of taken a swing at that sort of thing. Like I say, possibly Wes Craven's New Nightmare with Freddy sort of coming into the real world from the dream world yeah because they're not making movies anymore kind of thing mm-hmm. but otherwise yeah i can't really think of anything that's there's probably something glaringly obvious that's just not i know i can't think of, i can't think of anything off the top of my head i'm ready to end up in something page master maybe maybe that'd be around the same sort of time wouldn't it yeah possibly it's... if not slightly before is that is that macaulay it is yeah yeah i mean that was a weird film I've never seen all of it. I've only ever seen bits of it. It's pretty I was brutal. Just kind of like, this is like just a shit never ended story. Yeah, it's pr- that's pretty brutal in places as well. And if I remember rightly, that was another one that went through a bit of like production hell. Um, there's bits of it that just didn't make a lot of sense and stuff. Yeah. I saw that years ago and I think fell asleep halfway through and woke up and didn't think I'd missed anything. <laughs> Which that doesn't that doesn't bother well, does it? That's always a endorsement for a film, isn't it? it exactly, like sort of, he ends up in the in the in the pages of the book or whatever, and then it goes like weirdly animated, and I sort of fell asleep, woke up, and then like the animation was kind of wrapping up, and then he ended up back in the real world, and I was like, oh, that was quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. didn't even notice. I was just like, oh well, you know, good film. <laughs> and then it's it was like years later, the Jumanji movies, maybe. With him getting sucked into the world of a game, but yeah, maybe more the newer ones. The newer than, ones, yeah, yeah, they are tremendous. They're they great. are. They have no right to be at all. I know they don't, and yet they're so so good. I mean, uh, I don't hate the original Jumanji. It's fine. It is what it is. <laughs> I see. I, lo- I loved the original one, but then it was it was one of the ones that we watched at school quite a bit that I actually didn't mind. See uh, again, that was that period where it was like Robin Williams making shit. I see. I would. Uh, so you just dismissed it, and then Goodwill Hunting happened, and like, yeah, see, yeah. I liked a lot of the Robin Williams. Oh, I love. I've it. always loved Robin Williams. It's just no. I no. I like that's that's a period of his that I really enjoyed. Patch Adams, uh, What Dreams May Come, fucking great movies. That was <laughs> yeah. a really good inventive movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, panned at the time. I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as people say it is. No. Uh, wait, what, what one? Patch Adams uh, or What Dreams? What Dreams May Come. Yeah, What Dreams May Come. Uh, that's. Uh, Max von Sydow, isn't it? Yes, I think it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, and Cuba Junior as well, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes, so I think is. that was his big post Jerry Maguire movie. That was a, that was a gut wrenching movie. Like, it was horrible. It was uh, just exploring death and depression. Yeah, I've only ever seen it the once. It was another one of those films. That's like, glad I've seen it. I don't think I ever need to see it again. <laughs> I don't. I don't. It, it doesn't warrant rewatches because it's quite heavy. Yeah. Um, and a lot I think of that's what it suffered from because it was sort of that 
sentimental Robin Williams period one. <laughs> very, very. And it's the same with Patch Adams in a way as well, because yeah. it's, you know, lightheartedness until eventually somebody dies and then it just becomes about like he him becoming like suicidal and stuff and it's like, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in amongst that sort of Williams time. Anyway, we're digressing. Yeah, that's what we do. Come on, down there, down there. They were writhing and screaming and leaping to their doom to escape the pain. <laughs> no, not really, I'm lying. It was a complete and utter balls up and I've had a terrible day thanks largely to you. Well, what is this splendid? First you're my friend. Now you turn a 360 on me. 180, you stupid spaghetti slurping cretin. 180. If I did a 360, I'd go completely around and end up back where I started. What? Trust me. If that little turd, Daniel Madigan, can move through parallel worlds, I can move through parallel worlds. In and out. In, steal whatever I want. And out again. Impossible to catch. If God was a villain, he'd be me. Quickly then, obviously, I mean, a remake wouldn't happen. Would you have liked to have seen a sequel or? No. No. No, I, that was that was good the way it was. I couldn't. I, I, I was trying to think of if I could even conceive of a a sequel. A sequel, but the only way that I would ever conceive of, of a sequel is if they actually just made those uh, movies, like the. That's the, it. The, uh, the only way you could potentially do it now, or to do a sequel, would be to do it now as a legacy kind of sequel. Mm-hmm. Whereas Austin O'Brien's still got his half of the ticket and he gives it to his son. Because we know he must have a child, or daughter, you know he must have a child. And they're still yeah. making Jack Slater movies. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, it's like the Mission Impossible films. Yes. Like, yeah, I know you yeah. don't look at Tom, but you're nearly 60. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you sort of do a riff on it that way. You couldn't have done a sequel at the time, I don't think. It just no. would have been Dimension Returns. Even, the even then, though, I mean the characters would be completely unrelatable. Yeah. Because there's no way they would put them in the same shithole situation. No, that's it. Um, well, yeah, you would be doing... You'd be Force Awakenings, wouldn't you? You'd just be doing yeah. the same beats of that everybody loved in the original one. Not yep. that anybody seemed to love the original one at the time. I think this film's got more of a cult fan base following now, sort of in hindsight, yeah. than it had at the time. In that way that people seem to go back to movies that bombed at the time and reappraise them and they become cult classics mm-hmm. like you say it's it took a swing and at the time it missed yep or, or you know it hit the ball so softly that it's taken quite a while to roll and actually get across that line where people are like mm-hmm. it's like Waterworld, where everybody was just shitting on it at the time and then they watched it and like, actually it's all right <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it's fine <laughs> yeah but it's that weird way as well like you know everybody was shitting on titanic before it came out because it cost so much money Mm-hmm. Then it came out and the world lost their fucking minds. <laughs> yeah, they did. R- regardless of your opinion of the film, it's uh, it did tremendous. But yeah, I'm like I said, I th- that's the only way you could do a sequel. But I don't want them to do a sequel. No, I think like I said when I did the, I did the episode on the Rock. There's no shame in being like you know. No, we did it. We said everything we needed to say in one film. Yep, one's enough. I think if they had wanted to do it at the time. 
I think the only way they could have got off with it is if they actually just made a Jack Slater movie. Yeah. If they actually just said, you know, sequel to Last Action Hero, the film that you all wanted to see, Jack Slater, you know, and then just do like either a sequel to Jack Slater or just show you the first one because you never see number one or two. Um, actually, I take about the sequel I want to see is everybody going back to put in their videos of Jack Slater 3 and be like, where's the Ripper gone? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there a guy in here with an axe? Why is this kid up on a roof in the I rain? I his own? kid died in this. What the fuck? Why, the, the, he's just gone up and got his kid and went home. What's going on? Jack Slater 4 must be really weird. Be like, he threw a guy through a wall, then he disappeared through a wall, and then he's in his captain's office screaming at him. Yeah, he's in his captain's office saying to him, stop shouting at me. You're in a movie. <laughs> I hear him in the background as Nick and him are walking off. You can hear him in the background, given his like list of demands and yeah. the things he wants out of life. <laughs> he's like, and another thing, I want a nice apartment. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, that's why I was like, Danny has just killed films forever. <laughs> the next time Jack Slater comes into a film, he's gonna be like, I know what's going to happen now. The bad guy's gonna come through here. <laughs> Skip to the end. Give me the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Cheers for that. I said cheers for picking this film. I really enjoyed going back and rewatching it as well. It's, it, it's really good fun. Um, I loved of, it, man. Thank you. Quickly before we wrap it up, then, um, where can people find you online? What can people look out for? As obviously you've got the podcast still. Yeah. Um, the, the snacks and comics podcast. <laughs> we uh, we did another episode the other day. Uh, where we actually we went back to Skype, um, we couldn't come around the house. My my, there was somebody in the in the house who wasn't well, so you know just taking yeah. the old safe than sorry approach and just went to Skype. But it worked. It was fine. We only had one technical error that was like, where's that noise coming from? You know, <laughs> one of those. Um, but yeah, we're we're still cr- cracking away. Um, the the episode that we did the other day, uh, that we recorded the other day, I say them, but they're not necessarily that they're going to come out because, like I, I said to you, I've still got episodes from 2020, um, sitting in the in the folder somewhere that are due to come out at some point. But we, it's, it's going to be a good six or seven weeks before this one comes out. <laughs> yeah, we did a we did a remembrance episode for George Perez and Neil Adams. That was a fucking double whammy, wasn't it? I know we yeah. were, the world was sort of expecting it with George Perez, but still. Yeah. And Neil had it was one of those things, it's like, I, I'm expecting it, but it's not going to yeah. be for ages. Yeah, exactly. That's That was the thing that people kept thinking. It's not going to be for a while. And then they saw a picture of him at the DC offices all frail and thin. And it yeah. was like, oh no. Um, but you know, he's still there. He's still going. It was like, like a, less than a month later, he's gone. And Neil had been recovering from something. And there was a picture of him in like a wheelchair. And it was like, oh, God, what's what's happening? Um, but glad he's getting better. And then they were both just, they were both gone. Um, yeah, and Neil Adams is one of those people who sort of, again, hit an age and didn't really change. And yep. then I saw that picture of him and I was like, oh, he looked kind of frail. And Yep. Yep. You just forget how old he actually is and when that's he it. comics. It's, it's the same as like when, like, you know, Somebody like Robin Williams and that dies. They've always been a part of your life. Yep. It's just weird for it suddenly for them not to be. Yep. Um, it's funny because Arnie's not exactly um, young. 
No. You know, I'm sitting thinking like, oh man, and he's gone through like heart surgeries and everything and rehabilitation and all this kind of shit, and it's like, oh man, please no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were um, we we did a, an episode on that. We've we've done loads of different ones. We the ones on Secret Wars and everything. I think I was saying to you before. I've got um, uh, interviews that are coming up as well. Um, later in the year, maybe like a couple of months time from now, but they've they've been set up and arranged um, for some some point in the in the near future. Um, we've just had at this point uh, in the last week or so when we're recording just now. Um, we've just had an interview with Matt Greaves come out. Um, I've chatted with Matt on on and off in Messenger and stuff, so we finally sat down and, and had a chat, which was really good, really enjoyable. Um, it was just good chatting to a mate kind of thing, like this, yeah. you know, um, just chatting back and forward. And like I say, we just that was 101, so we just had episode 100 not that long ago as well go out, and we changed the theme song, so it's now um, by Rifter FM, which is Paddy Johnson from Good Comics. Um, I said, that threw me. I knew you were changing the theme tune, but then when it kicked in, I was like, "What's this?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely, completely changed it. And uh, it's a bit in... like putting on an episode of Cheers and it's not the right music. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. It was time. Uh, it was time to relax. We'd had the anarchy for so long. Um, it was so funny because it yeah, changed. It's nice it sort of fits it now because it's a very mellow show now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I do love that there's still a good chunk. It's like, what snacks you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bought a six pack of iron proof. I'm still waiting for the episode where you fuckers just pour a bottle of water out or something because you. It's like, Stuart, I need a pee. Do it. Do it. Do it. You don't know what's coming, my friend. <laughs> right, you... I'm, not, I'm listening to that early in the day, not. <laughs> <laughs> you doomed yourself when you said that. <laughs> um. It. but uh yeah so um we changed that we, we kind of mellowed out and it was funny because dave sort of said you know before when we had that other theme music it was like we were this rambunctious bunch of guys you know meeting up and ah we're talking we're talking about this and we're gonna be doing this hey he says next <laughs> yeah and he's like now with that theme music it's like we're sitting about with our slippers and a pipe it's <laughs> <laughs> like it's great i love it um, that'd be awesome if you could get a photo shoot of all of you in slippers and a dressing gown just all with pipes i know I've sitting in like old-fashioned armchairs with a fire flashing <laughs> your artwork it's funny you say that as well because we, we've got a fireplace <laughs> as well as so. you're reading comics <laughs> it's just waiting for it now um but no we, it was just time for a bit of a change you know 100 yeah. episodes time for a change um and you know i'm not tied to a schedule or anything more i feel like i've you know, it's me. Well, you know, as 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 well as I do for yourself as well. It's just us that's editing our own podcast. You know, yeah. um, and you kind of listen to this stuff over and over and over again. You just think, you know, it's time to kind of change it up a bit, keep it interesting for yourself as well. But, yeah, that's it. Yeah, when you're bored by your own podcast, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not bored, but you know. No, you, but you start to feel like you know, oh, I got edit that fucking thing. <laughs> But it was just it's it's nice. I, I like I like just kind of 
switching things up every now and then and like that if, if, if when it goes on for another 100 episodes it won't be for years now you know yeah because um, i'm not tied to any schedule or anything it's now i've very much got into the swing of it and i know what i'm what i'm doing and what i want and what episodes to put out and stuff like that so it's it's good it's worked out really well and uh for anybody that wants to check it out um and obviously we've had the comic and stuff come out as well issues one and two two came out recently um issue one having john guesting in it and issue two having alan and olivia uh, alan henderson of the penguin and olivia hicks of um uh Sarara and uh she's an editor at 2000 ad if i remember right or rebellion rebellion yes, i think yeah. yeah um i, I, I always get the, the companies mixed up She'll be screaming now, going, it's this one! <laughs> Saying, like, you idiot! <laughs> but it was, you know, it's always just good working with friends in a comic, but th- those are out now as well, and I thought it was about time, so you can now check out everything at thatcomicsmell.com. Every- everything is there, all the links, everything, even a link to Dave's um, Friday Comics blog as well and his site and stuff so yeah there's even links to get their comics um and as soon as mike makes his available online uh, his are only available on shops just now but as soon as that is that'll be available there as well so anything you need to find on on the podcast and where to find us email us anything like that is that comicsmail.com awesome uh, it's so much easier having everything in one place it's like yeah. i've got things all over the place so i set up a link tree it's so much easier to just chuck out the link tree <laughs> yep it is just a link tree that we've got but yeah. you know i just i made it linked to that comicsmail.com I, I bought the domain ages ago um and just never used it and it was everything was so simple with link tree um you know you just shove everything up you yeah. use a, a basic basic layout and then it was like oh do you want to make it personalized pop the url in here there you go it's linked <laughs> it was great um and it it's so much easier great. doing show notes as well isn't it when it's just putting in a link tree exactly exactly you don't have to go and go to this that this that this that it's like go to that comments well. com. <laughs> <laughs> awesome man well, i'll put the links in well the link in the show notes and everything there's You'll have to let me know if anybody clicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. I will that, that age-old question. Does anybody ever actually look at the show notes and click the links? <laughs> yes. But awesome, man. Cheers for that. Thank you, dude. Take care. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Devin, why in the hell have you been? It's working again. And you know the cost of that dough is coming right out of your meager but undeserved paycheck. Only kind I got to save the Eagle Foundation doing the fucking tango up and down the Alicia Highway. Put a sock in it. I don't care who does what to your Hershey Highway. And stop shouting. I'm not deaf. You know why you're shouting? Because it's in the script. You had the comic relief. Yes. And you know what else? I am the hero. So shut up! You see, Hollywood is writing our lives. And you know something? I don't want to shoot people anymore and blow up buildings. You know why we do this here? You got to be a magician after all, Nick. But you know what? It really does work. A decent cop. How the tickets yours, Danny? And you know something? I think the magic was yours too. That was Last Action Hero. And why not? 
I'd like to thank Tom for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check out That Comics Mail wherever you get your podcasts, or check out the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and can be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to your episodes. Or don't, it's up to you. If you've missed the Summer Action special episodes so far, or any and why not episodes, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, or on our website at hauntednerds.com, wherever you get your podcasts from, just search and why not. Join us back here next week when I'll be joined by Andy Hanks to discuss Con Air. But until then, this has been a Nerds of Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, rubber baby buggy bumpers. Bye for now. I'll be back. Ha! You did not going to say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do? Everybody keeps waiting for you to work it in. It's kind of like your calling card.